All right, welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I am your host, and I want to tell you a little bit about our podcast and the way it works. Our content structure is we talk marketing, tech, and business leadership, and we tip, we're typically for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The purpose of our podcast, it's twofold. We have two purposes, and purpose number one for you, Charles, is to spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. Purpose number two is to educate and inform our audience and listeners. So that being said, I'm going to introduce our speaker. So Charles Seaman is a native of Brooklyn, New York. That current He currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, and serves as Senior Acquisition Manager and Asset Manager of Three Oaks Management LLC, in which he actively works to locate high-performing multifamily real estate deals throughout the Southeast region of the United States. Charles responsible for performing all of the company's initial underwriting and analysis of the deals, which ultimately determines whether or not the deal will be a good fit for the company. He also He's also involved with contract negotiation and capital raising to make sure that the deals close, remaining involved after closing to manage the assets so that they perform in a manner that provides investors with exceptional returns. So Charles, I'm excited to have you here. Welcome to the Remax. Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. And could you just tell us a little bit about yourself personally? Absolutely, Jerome. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your guests and your listeners. Uh, you know, Jerome already gave me a wonderful introduction, but you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with me, my specialty is multifamily syndication. And I, I work on finding multifamily deals. So for our team, I'm the guy that leads the acquisition process. And they also lead the asset management process. Uh, one of the good things is that as you start growing and scaling up, you'll need more people on your team because you'll realize it gets very tough doing both. And we're, we're about at that point now. So little by little, we're adding team members on as it makes sense. So that way we can continue scaling and growing. Okay. And I think that's a, your introduction leads us into like the, a, a great question. So uh, like you're scaling, like you, my question to you is what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your business right now? And how are you tackling it? You know, it's a good question. So the, the biggest challenge we have at this point is putting the right systems in place. And as you're a smaller operation, the, you know, the, the protocol that a lot of operators follow is that they tend to do a lot of things themselves. And I, I, I tend to very much follow that because I, I'm a control freak. But as you scale up, you need to have better systems in place. And that's something we're working on getting in place now because we need to make it where it's easily duplicatable for other people to follow and to be able to use those systems and have a, a plug and play process. Got you. And really quickly, when you say systems, could you expand on that a little bit more? Like, are we talking, like, what kind of systems are we talking about? Absolutely. So it's a combination of different things. So some of them are just written out training procedures. So that way people have a clear expectation of what process they need to follow. So and in other cases, it's having the, the right technology and the right tools so that way people have the, the different tools they're going to need to be successful. So some of the things that we'll use, um, and these will be more on the investor relations side, not so much on, on the, the side that I'm on, but we'll have a CRM. We'll have different things that automate processes. So you, you want to find ways to automate and streamline as many things as you can because there's only so much time in the day. And you want to use your time and the time of your team members for the more valuable items that can't be automated. 
Nice. It sounds like there is a lesson in there, which leads to our next question. So the next question is, what's the most important lesson you've learned during your time in multifamily syndication? You know, it's a good question. So I, I think the, the big lesson is that if you want to scale up, especially in a business like this, you're going to need to have team members because you, you can only go so far by yourself. And, and, and for some people, that's okay. Because if all you want is a smaller business, then there's nothing wrong leaving it that way. But for me, my, my vision's always been to scale up and to become very successful in the space. So to do that, we need to have more resources, more team members, more expertise. And we need to have different people that are bringing different ideas. So you have to be open-minded. You have to be willing to listen when you don't want to listen. And you have to be willing to realize that sometimes there's people who know more than you do and you have to take their advice on it got you and um let me ask you like in terms of like i don't think you have a big ego but some we all have egos if we admit it and what's what's it been like to understand that you might not know what you know or that you might be new or you have to listen to someone that kind of knows more than you what's your experience like with that so most people that know me would probably say I'm incredibly stubborn, and and there's no there's no denying that. I kind of enjoy that trait, but it 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 definitely takes, you know, a lot of learning. I I always say for me, I'm not the type that's going to to listen when somebody tells me something. I have to go in there and put my hand on the hot stove and get burnt, and that's just how I am. You know, you can tell me don't touch the stove, but until I actually touch the stove, I'm not going to listen. So. I need to go out there. I need to make those mistakes. I need to understand why it's important. And that's just how I operate. So for me, I eventually do come around, but it, it will take me some time because I need to go in there and learn the hard way. And, and probably most of the conventional things that people tell you in real estate, and especially in syndication, I've made most of those mistakes because I had to go out there and try them on my own, even though other people told me not to. Okay. And I, I would that, that kind of pushes us towards one of our next questions, which is like, who's your most important professional mentor? So my answer to this is probably going to be different than, than most people. Uh, and it was actually a gentleman that I worked for in New York for many years, uh, who I'm sure would prefer to remain unnamed. So I'll just go by Andy. And he was a very successful operator of, of many businesses and different commercial real estate properties. And I was fortunate to work closely with him for a number of years and to learn a lot. And I was in a position that I got to work with somebody who was very successful and to learn a lot from them and to gain that wisdom. So when I first started there, I was 20 years old. And as I, as I tell people, I was young, dumb and broke. And, you know, thankfully I'm a little better along now. So, so I was able to take some of that wisdom that he had and then glean that and eventually use that to start my own thing. Okay, nice. And so my next question is, and from my experience, like I see a lot of people, they get they kind of get into real estate. And me, you, Charles, we shared a mentor at one point and we shared a mentor in regards to like just trying to get started. And we were like we both had like different ideas and different paths and we since gone down different paths. So my question to you is uh, you went down the syndication route and I want to ask you, like, what's the most What's one piece of advice that you would give someone in regards to getting involved in multifamily syndication? So, so the biggest piece of advice I would actually say I would give to anything in life, whether it's business or whatever it might be, don't quit. That, that's the biggest piece of advice. Not always the easiest, but the biggest. Uh, now, now, specifically for syndication, 
what I would tell you is if you want to go out there and you want to build a, a prosperous syndication business, the single most important thing when you're starting out is finding somebody who's further along than you are, preferably somebody who has the, the financial and track record to be a key principal, which is somebody who signs on a loan, and building a good enough relationship with that person where, where they're going to allow you to use their track record. Because syndication is very much a track record business. And until you have your own track record, which nobody has their own track record starting out, you need to use somebody else's. Nice. And so I thought you were going to hit it, but you kind of did my. So I have this client. She's she's like, I want to get involved in multifamily. I want to get involved. And she's coming over from the single family space. And I'm like, well, in my experience, like I, I'm not I don't have direct hands on experience, but I've learned from you, Charles. And I've also heard from Adam that I've, I've heard you both say that the syndication is space, this syndication space has a lot to do with relationships. Could you talk about that? Absolutely. So one of the differences in general between single family and any type of commercial real estate, uh, whether it's syndication or even using your own money, is the way that you find deals. So in the single family space, most of your transactions are going to be very transactional. And it's not to say that you won't deal with people again, because in certain cases you might, you might have a good relationship with a wholesaler or an agent or somebody that's feeding you deals that you may do some more deals with. Uh, but in, in the commercial space, multifamily, industrial, whatever it might be, uh, it's all relationship-based. So every single deal I've gotten has been on some type of relationship. Every single deal. Nice. So Thank we, you. we have four deals on the contract now. All of them will be because of relationships. Nice. I appreciate that because I, I understand how important it is and I understand how important relationships are. And when you're like new or you're just starting, it could be hard to quantify that, especially coming from the single family space because you're used to, oh, I market a deal and I get this seller and I'm directly talking to the seller and single. I, and that's why I went to single family because I tried, you know, similar to you, I was like, I want to do multifamily and everybody gets obsessed. They're watching like different people, Grant Cardone and they're saying go big or go home. And yeah, in theory, that's nice, but practically it's a little bit different than that. You have to actually apply these relationships. It is not as easy as people think it is. So, right. um, you yeah. know, what I would say to anybody out there, whether it's single family or multifamily, you can become successful in either one. And, and you know, I think there's a myth out there, which maybe I shouldn't say being I'm on the multifamily side, but the myth is that you know, you're going to make much more money in multifamily. And in some cases, there may be truth to that, but I know people that have done very well with both. I would say the biggest key is being consistent. So yeah. picking a path, you know, educating yourself on that path, and then figuring out what you need to do to be successful in that path. If you if you follow those steps and you remain consistent, you will eventually become successful at it. Okay. And I want to ask you one more business related question. Then I want to get personal. And then our final yeah. section is the closing table. And we'll ask you a couple of questions and then close us out. So uh, the, the next question is what time of the day do you get your best work done and how does it relate to your expertise, like your field? Good question. So it depends on your definition of best work. So if we're talking about, administrative stuff when I actually have time to, to think and read, usually that's early morning or late night. So my general assumption is that I'm probably going to be on phone calls, Zoom meetings, or some type of interactions with people most business days from nine to nine. So I, you know, I will schedule some appointments in between, but there's also a lot that just comes up and I make sure to leave that time. So that way I have time to interact with people. 
So that's generally the core of my day. And then, you know, before nine in the morning and after nine at night, that's usually when I kind of allocate time to do administrative stuff and say, okay, now it's a little quieter. The phone's not ringing. I don't have Zoom meetings. Um, so depending on what you consider most valuable, uh, as Jerome already touched on, relationships are the biggest part of what I do. So you could argue that the phone calls and the Zoom meetings are the most important part because that's where I'm getting the opportunity to meet people, to connect with them, and to see how we might be able to work together. So on the acquisition side, specifically for me, broker relationships are the single most important relationship I have. So I, I, I do my best to treat those relationships like gold and I make sure to, to value them. You know, so I, I do what I can to get in front of those guys and take them out for lunch, uh, to go and tour properties. And sometimes I'll tour properties even that I'm not interested in just to get extra face time, you know, just because it gives me a competitive advantage where I can get in front of them and say, okay, you know what? Let me remind them that I'm looking and that I'm out there and just who I am so they don't forget. So uh, that, that's what I would say is probably the most valuable thing because that's ultimately what leads to getting more deals. And, and that's that's really wise, Charles, because you need people. And like, you you know me by now, like we kind of do some working together. And like, I know my strengths and weaknesses. And I know one of my, my weaknesses is like impatient. And that's why it helps to have other, like you talk about like team. That's why it helps to have other people like you that are more people centric or that are more thoughtful. Because I wouldn't think to go and sit down with a person, even if I'm not interested in that deal. Like, that's actually really smart. Most people are not thinking like that. And it's very helpful to have someone like you, you know, just put thought into that. So I admire I, that. As much as I'd like to take credit for that idea, I've probably stolen from people smarter than me. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. But at least you're doing it. Some people aren't, you know, and I'm, I'm going to sit with that because I know I don't do that. If uh, I'm a little bit too impatient and I need to slow down sometimes, it's like that's one of those things that you could do. You might not be interested in this particular thing, but you don't know what's going to come in the future. So it might be worth taking that time. Right. So, uh, next, I want to ask you uh, a couple personal questions. And the first one I want to start with is if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? That's always a tough one. You have to look back on your life and say, boy, how do I want to be remembered when I'm gone? And th th there's a lot of different answers people can give. So for me, you know, I think you, you want to be remembered as having made an impact and, and different people want different impacts. Uh, with most of us, I feel like there, there's some way that you want to be remembered for helping people. So one thing I've always been a proponent of is, is spreading financial education. And sometimes that can be on a small level. Sometimes it can be on a bigger scale. Uh, but one thing I've always thought is that our school system very much lacks basic financial education. And it's not to say that everybody needs to be a millionaire or a billionaire, but you need to at least be able to balance a checkbook and run a family and, and do basic things. And if you can't do that, then your education has failed it. So nice. my, my biggest way I would say is that I would like to, in some way, shape or form, be able to spread that to more people and to put it out there so people have at least a basic understanding of what they need to do to succeed in life. Thank you. Uh, one more personal question and then we're gonna get to the closing table. So first question is, I like this question. I always like to hear people's response. What's an insult you received that you're proud of? Probably that I'm stubborn and difficult. And, and, you know, and that can be both a strength and a weakness. You know, so I, I wouldn't say it's just a weakness. Uh, there are some things that, you know, I'm kind of glad that I'm stubborn and difficult on because they've paid off. Uh, persistence being one of them. You know, I'm sure I've had a lot of people that thought I wouldn't go anywhere in life. 
And I'm glad to say that even though I may not be where I want, I'm probably a lot further along than most of them ever would have thought I'd make it. Uh, so so stuff, being stubborn and difficult and persistent and all those things can pay off at times. Uh, but then there's other ways where it's also, you know, probably slowed me down. You know, if I listened to some of the advice earlier on that people had told me, you know, don't make these mistakes, you know, I probably would be a little further along because, you know, I, I wouldn't have made those mistakes. But uh, for me, I just have to learn. So I kind of take that as a compliment and say, you know, okay, now I know I won't do it again next time. Nice. And so we're, we're, we're coming to the closing table. I got a couple of questions around closing. And the first question is, what are three books you recommend to the audience and why? Okay, so the first one, uh, I'm sure most of the audience has probably read, and that's going to be Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the classic personal finance book by Robert Kiyosaki. And what I think that is more than anything is an eye opener. It's an eye opener that for the average person who doesn't know anything about passive income, who, who doesn't know anything about earning money other than through a job, that there are other ways of earning income and that there are other ways of achieving success. So for many of us, while it's not necessarily going to give you specific actionable steps, it'll give you a base foundation for knowing other options exist. Second one, and my personal favorite book of all time is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And that was written somewhere in the late 30s or early 40s. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Dale Carnegie and of that book, ready at 19 years old. I should probably go back and reread it. And what it has is, in my opinion, what I consider a lot of common sense, basic items. But in, in today's society, some of those things get lost. So I think it definitely benefits people to go back and, and read it. And most things that we do, you know, even if you're in a profession or a business that doesn't have a lot of interaction with people, you'd be kidding yourself if you think that there's not relationships that could help you grow. And, and that's whether it's personal, it's whether it's professional, you know, we all need different types of relationships to become what we want to be. So that, that's a big one. Uh, then another one I would give you, and, you know, I'd probably go with another Kiyosaki book just because I happen to be a big fan of his. And this one's going to be Cashflow Quadrant, and that one's going to further elaborate on the different uh, things that each financial quadrant has. So in the book, he talks about you know how you can earn, earn basically earn income by trading time for dollars, and there's two different ways you can do that. And then there's other ways to earn it by building businesses or through investing that are going to be more passive in nature, and that will allow you to truly scale up and become wealthier. So those would be my three recommendations. Nice. And so like you, I like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but of the all of the books, my favorite is Cashflow Quadrant. So I really love that book because it gets more practical and more, uh, it's less theory and more right. you know, like technical. I really enjoy that yeah. book. That's one of my favorite ones. So uh, we're, we're coming up on the end. I'm trying to be mindful and respectful of your time, Charles. So I got two questions for you. One first yeah. question is, what's next? What's the next big thing for Charles in his career? So the next thing... Um, for the last year, two years even, I, I've set goals that I failed to achieve in the syndication space. In 2020, my goal was to do at least 500 units, fell short. Part of it was the pandemic, uh, but at least it allowed me to build some, some good relationships that set me up good for where I am now. Uh, and then last year, I said I was going to do 1,000 units. So I fell short big time on that and only did 258. So the good news is in 2022, I've reset that goal to 1,000 units. And as we're recording this in February, we're already under contract for 385. So I think we're on, on a good pace to hit and hopefully exceed that number. Nice, nice. Uh, you're, you're impressive, Charles. You're, you already know I admire you and what you do. That's, that's great stuff. 
The, the final question I have for you, the final closing question is, how can we learn more about you? And I want to shape, like, first and foremost, I want you to, I want you to talk about that meetup group that you do every Saturday, because you're Absolutely. very consistent with that. I admire that consistency. Then I just want you to give us, like, overall, how we can find out about you online. Sure. So similar to what Jerome said, every Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern, I host a free session on Zoom where we underwrite an actual multifamily deal. So some of the deals are provided by me, some of them are submitted by attendees, and we look at one deal, uh, we typically aim to make it a current deal, and we walk through the deal you know, from a high level, start to finish, each Saturday. So for anybody interested in learning about multifamily or that has an interest in learning specifically about underwriting and analyzing a deal, you know, you should reach out to Jerome or reach out to me, and we'll be glad to get you connected and edit in there for free. And if you want to find out more online, the best resources would be either Bigger Pockets. You can search my name, Charles Seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N, or LinkedIn, or our website, InvestorBoardroom.com. All right, Charles, I appreciate you. So we we did it. We got to the closing table. We got in, we got out. And I believe the listeners got a lot of value from this. So Charles, thank you so much. I appreciate you for coming on. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have, similar to the closing table, do you have any closing statements? Only closing statement I would give is dream big, achieve big, realize you're going to fail as part of the process. You know, so some people are going to tell you that it's all going to be good. There's going to be a lot of times it's not good. Learn to accept that, understand it's part of the process, and don't quit. The only way you ultimately fail is if you quit. Don't quit. Thank you, Charles. Very consistent. I, I appreciate you so much. So that's the end of our podcast. Thank you, Charles. Jerome, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Likewise.